0: Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon State Beavers, Oregon Ducks, and Oregon High School Athletics, an absolute To get to this week, Oregon State dealing with some negative recruiting by other Pac-12 programs on the recruiting trail. The Beavers are set to host one of their best visit weekends ever. Both the Oregon State Beavers and Oregon Ducks landed key commitments for their 2022 recruiting classes. In the women's basketball side of things, ESPN released their updated class rankings. Not only does the Pac-12 have five of the top six classes in the nation, but Oregon and Oregon State are Are currently number one and number three, respectively, in those rankings. So we've got to go, we've got to discuss that because it's an incredible haul for both Kelly Graves and Scott Ruick. Those programs are going to be very good for a very long time. But I want to start with the negative recruiting that's going on against Oregon State. Haven't seen a lot of that the last few years, maybe a little bit in terms of. Oregon State competing against some of the lesser Pac-12 schools or even the Mountain West programs when it comes to negative recruiting, when they're going head-to-head against some of the programs that traditionally finish in the bottom third of the Pac-12 recruiting standings. But that's not how my story started, and that's not how I first reported it out. I was I was catching up with a key Oregon State commit, and he mentioned that a Pac-12 program – That is considered traditionally an upper echelon PAC 12 program was doing some negative recruiting against Oregon State and he wished to remain anonymous and I also wanted to confirm that that was going on more than with just him so I contacted some key targets some key commits for Oregon State in this recruiting class and ask them if they were experiencing similar things and and to a man again I did hand pick I'm not I'm sure it's not every single commitment in Oregon state's class but of the upper echelon commitments in their class To a man, there was negative recruiting going on with other Pac-12 programs. That's a new thing for Oregon State. And even if it's a backhanded compliment, it's a very good sign for the Beavers that some of the top-tier programs in the Pac-12 feel the need to put down the Beavers. I talked to Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor at 24-7 Sports. He said, for a long time, Oregon State wasn't a threat. They've become a threat under coach Jonathan Smith. They've become a program that can get a four-star prospect out of the West region that traditionally, maybe it is the guy that's the third option for a Cal or a Washington or a Stanford or a USC or a UCLA or an Oregon and Oregon state gets them. And maybe there are times where USC or Washington or Oregon or UCLA or whoever doesn't get exactly who they want. And those guys become kind of fallback options And those fallback options aren't there anymore because Oregon State's prioritizing them and they're getting them and building the type of relationships with them that keep them locked in. The next step for Oregon State, obviously, is going to be landing some of those first option guys for those upper echelon programs, start to be in the mix for five star prospects, start to be in the mix for guys who are 24-7 sports composite four-star prospects. Obviously not happening a ton, given that the last uh, 24-7 sports four-star composite recruit that Oregon State's landed was Isaiah Hodgins, which is a while back. Um, There are still levels to go, but this is a sign of real positive growth for the Beavers, and, and the main crux of that negative recruiting is not that the program's not doing well. In fact, it's that Coach Jonathan Smith is doing so well that he won't be there, is, is essentially the message. He's not going to be there by the time your collegiate career's over. If you think that's going to be your coach, if you think that's going to be your uh, your coaching staff in Corvallis, you are sadly mistaken. Not only is, is Coach Smith at his alma mater, but also, when we look at the stability of Pac-12 coaching right now, uh, I think it's an odd tact to take. You take a look at Washington, Jimmy Lake could be on the outs in Seattle, having not a very good year, recruiting not real well, missed on a number of key Washington prospects. Washington State is going through a coaching transition, uh, given that Nick Rolovich was fired this week for not being vaccinated. Um You look at USC, they have an interim coach right now. So do Pac-12 programs with an interim coach. Arizona State is under investigation by the NCAA for breaking recruiting rules. Arizona for that program is on a historic losing streak. They are not in the best place to say their coaching situation is stable. Kyle Whittingham is getting a little bit older. I could see him potentially retiring in the next few years. Um, there has been some some implication that that was a possibility. Uh, Mario Cristobal is always mentioned when it comes to other head coaching jobs. That doesn't mean he won't take them. That doesn't mean that he's not done a solid job at Oregon, but when we talk about stability of what's going to happen four years from now, uh, Mario Cristobal is not a guaranteed slam dunk bet. So you look at some of these programs in the PAC 12 and you just kind of shake your head and, and maybe scratch your head a little when you go really the way, the way you want to attack Oregon state on the recruiting trail is they don't have stability with their head coach. I think of all the programs in the PAC 12, one of the programs, in fact, the program I would bet on probably in the entire conference For guy who could potentially retire at the spot he's at 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, would be Jonathan Smith. I think Mario Cristobal belongs in that discussion because so far he hasn't jumped, although... It is possible he at some point decides to leave for another job. Uh, Chip Kelly has made a number of moves. He's at UCLA now. I could see him staying at UCLA for a long time, but you could also see him jumping. If you had to, and none of them are easy odds laying that a guy's going to be there 15 years from now. It's not the way college football coaching works. But if you were going to make me choose, you have to pick a coach that you think 15 years from now could still be the head coach of the Pac-12 program. Coach Smith, at his alma mater, likes it there. Not a super flashy guy who's probably going to be enamored with the idea of coaching at a Florida or Florida State or a Miami or an LSU and, and trying to stay in the top six, seven every year in a region that's all about recruiting when he doesn't love recruiting. He's not hes not a recruiting guy uh, in the sense that that's not his bread and butter. Uh, having to stay competitive like that in the top seven or eight programs in the country every year again, in a region where recruiting is everything and he doesn't love it, doesn't sound like something he'd want to jump at necessarily. Uh, I just I just don't understand the approach, but it is a good sign for Oregon State. They're doing better, and coaches, as, as Huffman said, coaches that are talking negatively about Oregon State have gone from they're going to lose under Coach Smith, he's going to get fired, to they're doing well under Coach Smith, and he's going to leave. Clearly, clearly a sign of progress in Corvallis, We got to get to their visitor list. It is an impressive collection of talent. And when we talk about Oregon State's visitor list, they really do seem to have a plan in place. They don't like to host a lot of prospects early in the season before the students are there. They just don't feel like the environment's great for students. Uh, They do try to kind of load up particular weekends. So they might only have two visit weekends that are huge, And this year, this one is it. And they're riding high. Obviously, the co-Pac-12 North leader playing against the Pac-12 South leader. It's a big game. The weather probably isn't going to cooperate. It looks like it's going to be very, very, very rainy for their game. That being said, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of excitement for a football game, they don't get much bigger than the one on Saturday night for Oregon State. And hoping to take advantage of that, they're hosting a number of prospects. That starts with your commits. I'm a firm believer in that, that that they're not the flashiest guys. Obviously, when it comes to the fan base, there's not as much excitement over the fact that the commits are visiting. In their minds, they're already locked and loaded. But they do a great job of peer recruiting. You want to get your commits on campus, or at least a handful of your commits on campus, for big visit weekends because they are peers Getting to know each other, bonding, building relationships, and also potentially telling kids themselves, this is where I want to go and this is why, and we would have fun together or we could room together. Those are appealing things. Three-star quarterback Travis Rockmorton from Simi Valley, California visiting Oregon state. He's the number 52 quarterback in the country. I really like Travis Throckmorton, no relation to former Oregon duck offensive lineman, Calvin Throckmorton. I've been asked about that. I've been emailed about that by Oregon and Oregon state fans alike. No relation there. Uh, He is a good quarterback. I really like him. He's talented. He adds a lot of depth. He's similar in some ways to, uh, to Vidlak, Sam Vidlak, the freshman who did well in the spring game. They're similar quarterbacks. They, you're starting to see that Oregon State kind of has a type. They like a lot of arm talent, uh, maybe a little bit raw, a guy that they can develop and and project forward that maybe needs a couple years but at the same time a guy that has a high upside because of the arm talent. So really like what he's bringing to the table. Three-star athlete Justice Lowe out of Lake Oswego, Oregon, played his junior year at Lincoln High School and then transferred to Lake Oswego. If we're looking for commit, if you are on commit watch, this is the player to watch. And it doesn't mean necessarily that I even think he's very, very close to choosing the Beavers and he's in love with the Beavers, but... He has two Pac-12 offers. He does want to play in the Pac-12. It's Oregon State and Colorado. Both programs are getting closer to being done with their 2022 recruiting classes. So if he wants a committable Pac-12 scholarship offer, he probably has to do it fairly soon. If he falls in love with Oregon State this weekend, I could see him making that decision. He plays primarily, he plays both wide receiver and DB at Lake Oswego High School, but he projects as more of a defensive back at the collegiate level. I could see Justice Lowe falling in love with this uh, campus at or- at Corvallis and in Oregon State and-, and deciding that that is the place he wants to be. If not, I think he'll visit Colorado either next week or the week after, and then he will quickly Make a decision because again, spots are limited, and kids understand if you don't commit when you have a committable offer, it can go away. Speaking of that, I think Oregon State is done at wide receiver. I think after losing Cole Prusha, the Tualatin star and Oregon Gatorade player of the year from last year, to Princeton. Uh, I think Oregon State probably is going to wash their hands of the wide receiver position. They're very deep. They've done a great job in the portal of adding talent. Makaya uh, Tong, and John Dunmore Jr., obviously previously they landed Tyjon Lindsey, and uh, they have a good group of wide receivers, so I don't think they necessarily need one. They offered Miles Williams very early, very early for the class of 2022. I don't know that that offer is still committable. I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm definitely not saying that it is. I could see Miles Williams as being a very, very good preferred walk-on. Again, I, I'm getting the sense based on based on who they're offering, based on who they've been in contact with a ton And this is coming through the kids more than or the athletes more than the coaching staff because I can't talk to the coaching staff. So I'm getting the sense based on the way they're recruiting that they either think Miles Williams is already locked up and I I don't get that sense from from Miles or they're not taking another receiver. So I think they're probably not taking another receiver and Miles Williams, a three star wide receiver, would be a guy that they potentially look at, I think, as a preferred walk on. If that's the case, he'd be a great preferred walk-on because he has a bunch of other offers for lower levels. So does he want school paid for or does he want to play at the highest level? That may be the choice Miles Williams makes. He didn't do anything wrong in the recruiting process, so Miles Williams is a very good kid, a very likable young man out of Clackamas High School, but he is a little bit of a cautionary tale in the sense that if you get a big-time offer from a Pac-12 school and you think there's a good chance you want to go there, lock it in. Commit. Because they dry up quickly, the offers dry up quickly. It's not an offer being pulled anymore. It's just the way it works. There are committable and non-committable offers. And here's the thing, and I get this all the time from prospects who say, if I commit to an Oregon offer or an Oregon State offer early, especially with in-state kids, there's a chance that other schools won't offer me. That's not how recruiting works. If a bunch of schools want you, if USC and UCLA and Arizona and Arizona State and Washington and Washington State if and in Utah, Colorado, whoever, if they want you and you're committed to Oregon and they want you, if you're committed to Oregon State and they want you, they will offer you and try to flip you. So waiting and saying, I want to see what my options are. If you get an offer and your dream is to play Pac-12 football, commit. If you're not necessarily a five-star kid, if you're not a high four-star kid where you know pretty well that you're going to get multiple Pac-12 offers, that you're going to get multiple Power 5 conference offers, commit. Visit that weekend and commit. And then see how the rest of your recruitment shakes out. You can always back out of it. But it's very difficult for schools to back off committed prospects. And if they offered you and said it was committable, lock it in. It's good advice. I, you do this every year. And every year there are a handful of kids, whether they're in Oregon or the West Coast, That think I got this offer from Cal or I got this offer from Washington state, but I want to see if something bigger comes and they wait. And by the end of it, they have a bunch of Mountain West offers, a bunch of big sky offers, no other PAC 12s. And suddenly Cal and Washington state or Oregon state or Oregon are saying this offer is not committable anymore, man. Good luck in the Mountain West or the big sky. It's the way it works. Be smart. In the class of 2023, four-star wide receiver Rashid Williams, big-time talent, the number 166 overall prospect. He's already got double-digit offers. He's making his third trip to Corvallis. The interest there is very real. Uh, this would be one of the highest-rated all-time commitments. This, still, this recruitment's got a long way to go. I'm not predicting a commitment, just in the sense that it's his third trip. And so far, because he's only a junior in high school... Oregon State hasn't been able to pay for any of his visits. You can't pay for any visits, and except for official visits, and prospects cannot take them until the spring of their junior year, or or their senior season. And so far, Williams, obviously being a young junior, has not even been able to take any official visits. So he's taken three trips from California on his own dime to Corvallis. That is something to pay attention to really talented wide receiver, another four-star prospect, four-star linebacker, Isaiah Carlson, really talented player. The number 13 linebacker in the country, the number 132 overall prospect in the country, Oregon state has done a great job landing Washington talent. Cooper Jensen, the number 24 tight end in the country is a commitment to Oregon state. He's visiting this weekend. He's a class of 2023 prospect he committed more than a year before he can sign. It's the earliest commitment Oregon State has gotten in my time covering the Beavers at least six years now. Isaiah Carlson is from Washington. He's a number four player in Washington and he's a four star talent. Oregon State's done well enough in Washington. That shouldn't scare anybody. If you're an Oregon State fan going, man, he's really highly rated in Washington. He's probably going to be a Husky. It's not the way it works. Jimmy Lake's in trouble with the way he's recruiting, not literally in violations, That's Arizona State. I mean in trouble in terms of keeping his job. Arizona State's actually in NCAA trouble, but two different kinds of trouble there between Arizona State and Washington. Oregon State should not be scared away for any prospects in Washington. Obviously, a JT to him allows the number one player in the country. That's a a horse of a different color. But when we're talking about those mid four-star, three-star prospects. Oregon State's built the relationships. They have done a nice job. They've got enough players on campus that can relate that are from Washington and say, hey, it's a great time here. That The door is fully open in Washington. Pipeline State, underlined, capitalized, exclamation point. Very, very nice job by this staff in the state of Washington. Needs to get better in California, but it's very, very good in the Northwest. They do a great job with Oregon and Washington prospects. Isaiah Carlson making the visit. Again, another great player. From that state of Washington, they just continue to hammer that state and mine the state for talent. That'll come up several times again before we're done here with this podcast of visitors. Four-star safety Cody DeCambra out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He's the number 23 safety in the entire country. Already offers from Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon State, Washington State. So kind of that uh, mid-tier Pac-12 program have all offered. Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon State, Washington State, that mid-tier, not necessarily the lower level, but that mid-group of Pac-12 schools are already interested and have offered in terms of recruiting profile, that upper tier has not yet pulled the trigger, but very well could. We could very easily see, again, traditional powers in recruiting. USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. We could still see those programs get involved. So the key for Oregon State is get in early. We saw it earlier on this list, and I mentioned with Rasheed Williams. He's taking his third trip to Corvallis. Want to know Why? Oregon State offered first. And so now he's added a bunch of offers. He's a double-digit offer kid. But the first program to believe in him was Oregon State. So they remain in the mix. Oregon State with Cody DeCambra out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Four-star safety. They've offered early. They've remained in the mix. They're going to build a relationship and get a big lead. If, if a USC, if a Washington, if an Oregon were to offer now programs that traditionally on the recruiting spectrum do a better job in terms of final rankings, if those schools get involved. They have six to eight months to a year to, to a year and a half of catch-up work to get to where Oregon State already is in relationship building with these players. That's, that is why offering early for Oregon State is a key weapon. You build those relationships early and you make bigger, air quotes, bigger programs play catch-up. It's a good idea and it's working. Three-star offensive lineman, Micah Banuelos. He's only a three-star prospect. doesn't have a ton of offers not a ton of offers, but they're very good offers yet, but he is an absolutely monster interior offensive lineman. One of the nation's best, definitely one of the best interior offensive linemen on the West coast already offers from Oregon state, Texas AM, USC and Washington. This is a return trip for him. He likes Oregon state. They've got a chance here. It's not a slam dunk. It's not going to be easy. But again, we talk about relationship building. They've been in this recruiting battle for a while now. So if someone else gets involved, they're going to have to play catch-up because Oregon State's hosted him a couple times. They have the relationship. He likes it there. There's uphill ground, or, you know, it's an uphill battle to catch up and get on even ground with the Beavers with these guys because, again, they're offering early and building those relationships. Three-star defensive lineman Tristan Davis might be the highest riser in the state of Oregon in the last few months. Went from an unknown. He was a basketball recruit, six foot seven, two 235 pounds, similar in that way to Jefferson's Nathan Rollins Kabangi who was unrated, and I had him ahead initially, I had him at number two in the state, and possibly even competing for the number one spot, and I mentioned that early, when Keith Brown, who ended up at Oregon, was an All-American, and I said, listen, I know Nathan Rollins-Kabangi looks really sloppy in his tape early, game one, game two, same thing with Tristan Davis, really sloppy, but that size, that athleticism is hard to find. And if they're athletic and can pick up anything, they've got a chance to be a really good prospect. Guess what happened to Nathan rollins Kabangi? He ended up in the 24-7 sports ranking as the number two player in the state, and he committed to Oklahoma. When I first rated him number two in the state, people were messaging me like, have you watched this kid's tape? He has no idea what he's doing on a football field. But as it goes, they develop, and the athleticism and the size combination are impossible to find. So they're valuable. Same thing for Tristan Davis. I found Tristan Davis. Or no, I had someone tip me off that Tristan Davis was very good. Watched his film, mentioned it to a couple of coaches around the country, not just West Coast programs, but around the country. And a program back east mentioned to me, uh, like, kind of like a seriously, this kid is so sloppy. Um, now Michigan is involved, Oregon State is involved. Oregon is involved. He's going to end up with double-digit offers. He's now risen to the number three prospect in the state of Oregon for the class of twenty uh, for, the, in, for the class of 2023 by 24-7 sports. Tristan Davis, very talented player, got a chance to really rise up, and I think he's going to end up getting double-digit offers. In fact, I think offer number one is probably coming this weekend while he's at Oregon State. I expect that to be the case. I've also heard rumblings that Michigan has offered, and he's kind of waiting uh, to announce that because he's not a big social media guy. So uh, that's not that rare, by the way. There's, there's a couple of kids, uh, athletes in Oregon State's recruiting class that have offers that people would traditionally go like, wow, what a big offer, and they just haven't announced it because they don't care. It's kind of the type of guy that Oregon State tends to go after, frankly. So it's interesting. Three-star cornerback TJ Crandall, three-star cornerback Andre Piper Jordan, both, again, out of the state of Washington, both, again, six foot one. That's the prototype that Oregon State likes to get. They'll be on campus this weekend. Three-star quarterback Sam Levitt, he's got an offer from Florida State. Florida state offers everybody under the sun and even people in the rain and people in the snow, they offer everybody. That's their whole thing. They offer them very, very early. They're not committable early. Sam Levitt is a very good quarterback, but a Florida state offer right now doesn't mean what it did 15 years ago. Uh, There are athletes that get a Florida state offer that almost never hear from Florida state again. I'm not saying that's the case with Sam Levitt. I'm saying that is the case and something to kind of asterisk, from now on when Florida State offers somebody, it's like, well, is it committable? How serious is the relationship? Because they've offered 40 quarterbacks. They've offered 120 wide receivers. It's it's complicated and it's nuanced. Sam Levitt's a very good quarterback. He's the number one quarterback in the state of Oregon. I'm not 100% sure that he's going to be a Pac-12 player. I think he's right on the bubble there where if he continues to develop along his current trajectory, he's probably a Pac-12 player. If he stalls out a little bit or he stops growing or whatever the case may be, he might end up being a Mountain West or Big Sky player. But a very good quarterback. I think he's unquestionably the number one quarterback in Oregon for the class of 2023. Very good player out of Westview High School. Uh, Three-star athlete Trey Lechner from Snohomish, Washington is visiting. Uh, You know, He's another guy you can kind of throw out the star rating. You watch his tape. He's very, very talented. Another Washington player. I really like Takari Hickel in this class, a hidden gem for the Beavers, uh, who is probably the lowest rated or one of the lowest rated prospects in on the team, but he's 6'4", 240 with a seven-foot wingspan and uh, the biggest hands, I think he'd have the biggest hands on Oregon State's team. He has some of the biggest hands ever for the NFL Combine. He's a senior in high school. Uh, he has JJ Watt size hands, 11 and a quarter inches to Kari Hickel. This is going to be a similar thing. It's not a measurables thing. It's a find a hidden gem that not everybody's all over yet because he can flat out play. And Trey Lechner can flat out play. I really like him. His only offer right now is Nevada. That's going to change. And it might change this weekend with the Beavers. I really like Trey Lechner. If they were to get him, um, Regardless of ranking, regardless of anything, I would I would absolutely be on record as saying that's a very nice commitment. I think he's a good football player. Mentioned Cooper Jensen already. In the class of 2024, uh, Sean Clark out of Federal Way, Washington. He's a four-star athlete. He's the number 69 player in the country in the class of 2024. 20, uh, already offers from Florida, Atlantic, Utah, Washington, and Washington State. He's going to have 20 to 25 offers. He's going to be a national recruit again. How does Oregon State pull these off? They offer early. They develop the relationship and they stay primarily in their pipeline states. Another Washington kid. We're seeing a trend. Oregon State hammering Washington. Oregon State hammering Oregon. They need to do a better job in California, but they are hammering the Northwest and doing a very good job with that. Uh, Brendan Huffman also mentioned 2025 tied in Bear Tenney will be there. He's already got an offer from Arizona State. Listen, I'm all about being knowledgeable about recruiting for the most part. I mean, some of you are listening going, not that knowledgeable. Touche. But in 2025, that that's where I draw my limit. Like I, I'll pay attention to 2024s. We're in 2021 right now, folks. I'm not paying attention to the 2025s until at least 2022, because if if Bear Tenney were to commit literally to any school today, today we would not we would not be covering the college football reporters. He would not be at campus to cover him to talk about him for four years. I'll almost be 40 by then. And life every as everyone knows is over at 40. Anyway, I'm lying if I say I know anything about Bear Tenny. I don't. I don't know anything about Bear Tenny. Uh, but he's a 2025 kid with an offer from Arizona State. Good for him. A uh, good football player. That does the visitor list. It's a good list. Multiple four-star prospects again. Key themes here and we keep hammering at home, uh they are recruiting a bunch of Oregon and Washington kids and getting better kids on campus and offering them early, building those relationships. It's a sign that things are getting better at Oregon state in Corvallis credit to Jonathan Smith. They're figuring things out, Um, made some changes with the recruiting staff, just a little bit, a couple of tweaks, but also just streamlining the process. It sounds like prospects know what position they're being recruited for that prospects talk to multiple coaches on the staff that, that there's a clear line of communication regularly with top with their position coach. Those are all things that at times got lost in the shuffle over the Gary Anderson era. They're all being taken care of now. Sometimes it's an organizational thing. Like literally not as your whole organization. I mean being taken care of and being organized. Oregon State's gotten more organized. They've got better facilities. They're hosting a more fun visit. They're connecting with these kids on a more real level. They, they're they not pretending they're someone else. They're being them, an authentic version of this is what Oregon State offers, and it's, it's resonating. They've got the number eight recruiting class in the Pac-12. They haven't finished with a class that was better than ninth in the Pac-12 since 2013. So right now, in terms of class ranking within the Pac-12, this is their best class in eight years since this se- group of seniors was third graders. That's how long it's been. So they're doing a really nice job. Oregon and Oregon State both got a commitment. I also want to break down the Oregon Women's Basketball and Oregon State Women's Basketball recruiting classes. That'll be next after a quick break. Hey, welcome back. Commitments for Oregon and Oregon State this week. First, Oregon State, Nathan Elu, uh, really like him, three-star prospect, plays left tackle at Junipero Serra. And I looked at his film and thought, okay, he's a right tackle. And potentially an overqualified and very good guard. And Brandon Huffman's seen him in person recently and said he's improved a ton. He's very good. He's a very good player. And he could end up being a Pac-12 left tackle. If that's the guy you're getting now... That's a monster get for Oregon State and Coach Mahalchek. Keep in mind also during the bye week, Coach Mahalchek knew he wanted one more guy, or he must have known he wanted one more guy, because he was spotted at like six or seven different high schools, some crazy number, might have been four. It it felt like a a huge number. Checking out top prospects on Oregon State's board. And the guy they offered immediately after seeing that game was Nathan Elu. A few days later, he commits. Elu's already visited. the relationship early. Nathan Elu is a great get. There have been years in the past three or four years where Nathan Elu is the unquestioned headliner of Oregon State's offensive line recruiting hall. This year, he's their fourth get and he's got a chance to be very, very good. Dylan Lopez is probably the headliner, ESPN four-star center, the number three center in the country. Luca Vincenz had a number of Pac-12 offers. He chooses Oregon State over Cal in a head-to-head battle. Jacob Strand, the can-be offensive lineman, has really developed. People really like him. And now Nathan Elu. I like all four of them. I like all four of them. And, you know, I've been very critical of Oregon State and their offensive line recruiting. People go, well, look at their team. uh, They're a lot better than you predicted along the offensive line. First of all, uh, I do recruiting. Traditional high school and junior high, or junior high, holy cow, junior college recruiting. Uh, Brandon Kipper, the right tackle, transfer. Joshua Gray, the left tackle, is the highest-rated recruit they've gotten along the offensive line in several years before this recruiting class. Loved him. Great get. Guess what? He's your starting left tackle. Nathan Eldridge was already an all-conference player at Arizona. Those are your three best guys along your line. And then they have a former walk-on who really developed. If you want to take start taking credit for, you know, Their walk-ons panned out, so they're better at recruiting. Recruiting is who you offer scholarships to. If you took a kid as a walk-on, it means you believed he had a chance to make your team, but even you didn't think he'd end up being a starter because if you did, you'd offered him a scholarship. So they have one guy on their starting offensive line that I would consider for me a miss, that I missed on, that that I was wrong about. Gray, thought would be great. Kipper, transfer, Eldridge, transfer, Everyone admits when a walk-on pans out, everyone kind of puts their hands in the air and goes, well, he panned out. That's awesome. It's rare, but it happens. But they've got a good old line This group is much better, is much better from a pure talent perspective, from a tools perspective, than what they've brought in the last few years. It's a massive upgrade for Coach Mahal, check, and Oregon State. Love this offensive line haul. Great job. Great job by the Beavers. Oregon adds a commitment. Four-star linebacker Harrison Taggart. Really like Harrison Taggart. His announcement was very funny. He uh, mentioned growing up a Utah Utes fan, and and his parents were big Utah Utes fans. And so with that in mind, he was going to do something a little different, (laughs) which which made a lot of people laugh. Um, It was very funny. His delivery was great. He gave a great speech. Sometimes those speeches are awful. His was very very good. Chooses Oregon. Nice player. Nice get. Oregon. Or excuse me, Oregon with a pretty good collection of of linebackers in this class. T.J. Dudley out of Alabama, Devin Jackson, out of Nebraska. Uh, All three of those guys, very talented. Oregon State should be very, excuse me, Oregon. Gosh, I've been talking Oregon State for 30 minutes. I'm I'm on the Oregon State kick. Oregon should be very happy with their haul. The class ranks in the top 10 nationally right now. um, With the updated 24-7 sports rankings, I believe, I believe they've dropped down a spot to 7. Uh, even though Jalil Florence might have been the highest riser in the entire country. When he committed, I said on this podcast, he was rated at the time the number 33 corner in the country. I said he's, one, he's, been, he's going to end up as between the number 10 and number 15 corner in the country. He's that good. In the updated rankings, he's a top 100 prospect nationally, and he's the number 11 corner in the country. Jalil Florence, great football player. In general, though, there's some questions with this recruiting class. It's a good top-heavy class. I think you could trim off the bottom five or six names in this class and not really miss a beat. It's not necessarily hidden gems. It's guys who maybe Oregon offered early, got commitments from early, and haven't totally developed. I think Oregon's got a number of great guys at the top, some solid players in the middle, and some pretty questionable players at the end in terms of where they're ranked now. What they look like now is probably not what they projected to be when Oregon offered. Being honest. Also, because Oregon is almost done with their recruiting class and a bunch of programs behind them have five, six, seven, eight more spots available, I don't think this class ends up in the top ten. That could change. If Oregon gets Cyrus Moss and Zeke Barry both, then maybe. But as it stands right now with just a couple of spots left and so many schools fairly close to Oregon with much, you know, several fewer commitments, I could easily see. Oregon finishing outside the top 10 nationally. That's not a shot. That's a really good recruiting class. It probably is going to finish number one in the Pac-12 for the fourth straight year. That's really good. It's just not what it was last year. And that's okay. And it might not be what it was the year before. And that's okay. This might be Mario Cristobal's third or fourth best class out of the four that he's recruited at Oregon. And there are a number of reasons for that. There's been some coaching turnover, and the biggest factor by far is that the West Coast is down. Washington was a monster last year. JT Tumalow was the number one prospect in America. Emeka Ibuka was the number one receiver in America. Sam Heard was the number one quarterback in America. And even though none of those guys went to Oregon, there were other great players from Washington. Oregon had a really good crop of talent. Oregon got an All-American linebacker in Keith Brown. That probably won't happen in this recruiting class. Maybe Darius Clemens. Maybe Darius Clemens, the four-star wide receiver, the All-American Bull, and Under Armour selection is going to play in the All-American Bowl. He's down to Auburn, Oregon, and Penn State, but with Oregon being so full at receiver, that's a question mark. So Oregon could finish with Darius Clemens, Cyrus Moss, and Zeke Berry, and even then... Even then, I'm not sure, Washington, excuse me, Washington, a little bit down, Oregon down from what it's been, and California, way down, a historically bad year for talent in California, Oregon did a phenomenal job getting Jaleel Tucker and Jaleel Florence, those are great players, there just are normally twice as many four-star prospects in California as there are this year, so Oregon went to Texas, did a great job consolidating talent in Texas, building a pipeline in Texas. And together with their new territory in Texas that they built a pipeline to in a down west region, they still managed to recruit what's going to end up being, I think, between 9th and 13th nationally in the recruiting rankings by the time signing day's over. A good class, just not an elite, elite class. That's coming in 2023. ESPN released their women's basketball rankings. No surprise if you follow this podcast. No surprise if you follow my work. Oregon and Oregon State were two of three programs nationally to have two of the top 13 prospects committed to their programs. Oregon State's both of their prospects are in the top 10. Only UConn can claim that. So UConn and Oregon State are the only two prospects in America with two top 10 commitments nationally. Oregon just missed that. They have Chance Gray, who's number seven. She's a five-star point guard. And then at number 13, they have a prospect. So Oregon ends up number one in ESPN's rankings with four top 60 recruits in the nation. And because they're almost done, it leads people to wonder, will they stay there? If you go down the list of the top prospects left, uncommitted in the entire country, none of them have Oregon, UCLA, who's number two, Oregon State, who's number three, or UConn, who's number four, as a serious contender for them. So we shouldn't see tremendous shakeup from the top four, Oregon got a really good chance to hold on to the number one spot in America with their recruiting class. A very, very good recruiting class for Oregon. Nicely done by Kelly Graves and his staff. UCLA's number two. Oregon State at number three has a couple of four star prospects. Adley Blacklock is one of them, who I think probably is a little underrated, not a top 100 prospect, but maybe should be. And then Tamia Gardner and Reagan Beers, two of the top 10 players in the country, Scott Ruick recruiting at a very, very high level. UConn uh, has, I think, the number four and five player in the entire country this year. So their two commitments are higher rated than either of, or maybe Tamiya Gardner's four, and UConn's right there at five, six. But UConn's top two are better than anybody else's top two, but not a lot of depth to their class. So because of that, they fall to four, Oregon and Oregon State, one and three nationally in the recruiting class rankings. Oregon did finish number one two years ago. Interestingly, since Sabrina's senior year, there have only been two recruiting classes that Oregon's been able to host prospects on campus. Because remember, last year was a COVID year, so nobody got to visit. In the two years since Sabrina's senior year that Oregon's been able to host prospects on campus, They finished number one in the national recruiting rankings, both. Unbelievable what Oregon is pulling off. And then Oregon State's right there. And for people who think this is a new normal, it's very, very much not. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State have had a couple battles during the Sabrina Ruth years where Oregon was supposed to be, you know, in terms of hype and everything, the juggernaut. And Oregon State also made a Final Four. And when they had their starting lineups, nine of the ten players were five-star prospects, and then the first player off the bench was a five-star prospect. So 10 of the first 11 players in the game for Oregon versus Oregon State in women's basketball a few years ago were five-star prospects, and there's no sign of letting up. Talia Von Alhoffen, great player for Oregon State, already representing them at Pac-12 Media Day, former five-star recruit, and really showing signs that she's going to be elite. Sasha Goforth was a five-star prospect who transferred, but yet another five-star prospect. Oregon and Oregon State are consistently recruiting five-star talent in women's basketball. If you're looking at the sport that Oregon and Oregon State recruit at the best, it's clearly women's basketball. They're both averaging more than one five-star prospect per class every year. Oregon signed four two years ago and is signing three this year. Unbelievable believable by kelly graves and scott rook that will do it for this edition of the recruiting trail podcast please subscribe wherever you get your pro- podcast rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts i believe i've said podcasts enough times but just in case podcast podcast thank you very much for your time appreciate you and see you next week